G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and Postdoctoral Affairs as well as CFRC. So thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify or Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Today, I would like to introduce you to Paula Muse, who is doing a Master of Health Professions Education under the supervision of Denise Stockley. Welcome to Grad Chat, Paula. Thanks, Colette. It's great to be here. It's interesting, actually. I met Paula quite a while ago, actually, when you were doing your Master of Public Health. Um, And then, of course, you've been out in the workforce again, and now you're doing this program. So uh, what made you come back? I'm I'm a lifelong learner. It just keeps me coming back, whether learning is in the classroom, out in the field, uh, day-to-day activities, learning excites me. So when I was working in the Master of Public Health program, overseeing the experiential learning of the graduate students, so I was interested in having better learning outcomes for my students and what better way to educate myself in teaching and learning in pedagogy and indigenous ways of knowing, scholarship, all sorts of the different forms of scholarship, all sorts of things. So I wanted it so that I was a better teacher, that my students can learn better. Which is great. Not many people would do that. They'd think about it, but not actually act on it. Well, yeah, and I'm that type of person that will put myself through that maybe angst sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs> I will be celebrating with my fellow cohort uh, this fall. Yes, which and I'd like to ask you a little bit about that later on, but what I would like to do first, if you don't mind, is that um, in your particular program, you don't do a thesis per se or a dissertation, but you do a capstone project. Correct as part of the curriculum and your capstone project for this for for your program that you did was called interprofessional experiential education of post-secondary public health learners a scoping review protocol so can you give us a bit of background to you doing this scoping project as opposed to a research project I mean what's the difference first of all So I'm not actually conducting the scoping review per se. That would require a lot longer period of time to be actually do a scoping review. We never have enough time, do we? (laughs) No, we don't. And so in my consultation um, with the head health sciences librarian, Sarah Wickett, thank you, Sarah, shout out to you. I came across, um, you know, experiential learning was very important to me as as part of my my own learning and my students' learning. And uh, Sarah suggested that I do a scoping review protocol. And what that is, is basically it sets the roadmap for how you are going to do that scoping review so that you're not just going down a rabbit hole, going, oh, this is interesting and gathering all this research and literature and going, okay, well, I've kind of side gone off the sidetrack of actually what is or what are my research questions? What's the context? who are the participants, what's the methodology behind it. Although a scoping review protocol is an iterative process, it can change during that time, but it sets you up, it's your roadmap of how you're going to do the scoping review. 
So part of the capstone project in the Masters of Health Professions Education is also to write your teaching perspectives inventory, look how you've changed your beliefs, intentions, and actions, how that has changed from the beginning of the program to right, the end. Right. Creating a teaching dossier and also to have a self-selection of assignments to show key points in your learning journey throughout the program. It's good to be able to put what you've learned into practice, isn't it? I tend to do that, and that's how I approached things with this capstone project and actually with a number of my assignments in the MHPE. And so really with this looking at, you know, how can public health learners be involved in interprofessional education and experiential learning? Right. How can they be involved, particularly at Queen's, and especially with the call for, from the, uh, the dean in um, health sciences, how can we integrate more interprofessional education within health sciences? And I wanted to examine how is that different in the realm, in the context of experiential learning among health professions learners? So, so give us a bit more about, you know, a bit of a synopsis of your project, because you've given some of it there, mm-hmm. but what else is, is part of it? I mean, you, you talked about the dean, how it's part of what she's striving for within the health sciences, um, but why this particular topic? For well, you. well, my background in both my professional life and my academic life has been in public health and looking at interprofessional competencies and how public health works is that the field of public health has been interprofessional uh, and interdisciplinary and community-based right. from its inception. Um, we work with sociology, biology, medicine, more recently, you know, urban planning, law enforcement, public policy advocacy. And so how can we bring that together with other health professions learners? The learners from the public health pro- master of public health program go work in, say, do their placement in a health department where we have nurses, dietitians, right. other health professions. But how do we bring it beyond to other allied health professionals within the community? Because really, you know, we see such a great um, demand on our health care system right now, and especially mm-hmm. with the pandemic. And how can we look at different ways of better health, population health outcomes, and doing it collaboratively? So the intention is down the track that each community has a, a group of people that can all work towards a similar goal. Exactly. It's about collaboration and interprofessional uh, education, really. It's two or more learners from different disciplines learning from each other, about each other, learning to collaborate for better health outcomes. So has it been in the past then, for instance, say the GPs and and let's look at GPs, physiotherapists, often GPs will refer a student, someone to perhaps a physiotherapist. So this is the same, but also going across into maybe the, the community public health groups, which isn't, they're not necessarily medical people, but they're looking at how can they support the community. Exactly. I mean, 
when we look at what determines a person's health outcomes, it's not just the absence or presence of disease. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, where they're living, their physical activity, you know, what healthy foods are available, your social network, poverty, right. just a few things of determinants of health. So let's look at a broader, more, say, upstream scope of how can we help people be their healthiest selves right. within, you know, the capacity that they have and how can, you know, we enable them to be able to have healthy lives. So I've seen that transition where, you know, we always tend to talk about how people really work in silos mm-hmm. and how we do so much more better together. We're stronger when we work together yeah. as teams. So yeah, it could be, you know, a general practitioner family physician I've seen it now where my own family health team they're called family health team now where we have you know a nurse practitioner and they have supports for mental health psychiatry all that sort of thing so I think that really I mean health is a holistic thing we need to Mm -hmm. look at things from a holistic perspective and the more that we can integrate the better does it also include though um, because depending on the community you live in people have different financial not everyone has a lot of money to be able to for instance go to different practitioners and things unless Mm -hmm. it's perhaps covered under their health insurance Mm -hmm. if they've got it um so does this also include when you're talking about the public when you did master of public health finding out within that particular community how can the community think about how can we help our individual members in this community so say you're not coming from a you're not got a lot of money mm-hmm. how can we support that mm-hmm. but if you do have a lot of money how can we support that in, in different ways to make sure like you said uh, an individual has an all-round thing so is you looking at individuals or we're we looking at a community or both we're looking at a community i mean public health is really looking at population health outcomes whereas the acute care side they're looking at the individual so we're looking right. at the broader perspectives of health so it's nice and I have that bias is to bring that public health perspective in along with you know medicine and nursing and Mm -hmm. saying you know there are determinants of health and it's not it's also you know perhaps a prescription but also does that person have that social support um you know the mental health follow-up um all sorts of different factors that affect their health outcomes but it's again on a population health level that's really good and like you said there's you know they've got the family health teams so there could be people would they bring in people like um, epidemiologists as part of that to see what's going on to maybe do a project it could very well happen I mean it depends on you know health outcomes Mm -hmm. and some health departments do have epidemiologists Uh, there's also you know health promoters and dietitians so if you know, a family physician says, hey, I know resources that a local health unit has in terms of healthy eating, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps you can visit with them or call them up and have, you know, dial a dietitian, I think there was at one point, or <laughs> like <that> one. <laughs> something like that, you know, like healthy babies, healthy children, the different right. programs that, you know, public health can provide. So it's not just within, you know, public health units per se, I'm just giving that, mm-hmm. that as an example. So how does your scoping review come into play with this the protocol so how that would work is looking at the strategic plan in part 
one of the initiatives is looking at community-based initiatives for healthier outcomes. And so how do we work with the other programs, the schools, right? the, say, nursing and medicine, rehab, how do we collaborate with them so that the students can work as a interprofessional team when they go out to do their actual experiential learning placement right. within the community so that they're learning from each other from the academic side of things rather than just being solely on one area only. in one area and then they get out into the world where it's hey I'm not just working with public health students I'm working with other health professions so why not start earlier to have a better understanding of the connections of the connections that you can make so you so you're wanting a, a curriculum change in some of these programs because you've got to get all the parties yeah, on board right yeah, you do have to get the parties on board and that <laughs> will take some time but i think there's there's definitely a uh, a desire for that and I think you just have to start in, in small steps and maybe it's a pilot project. Right. I believe that's being led right now or under underway. Actually, it is being led underway by um, uh, Dr. Leslie Flynn okay. and, and the working group, the committee, and speaking with all of the experiential learning coordinators in the faculty in Queen's Health Sciences to to get some ideas together and say what would work, what wouldn't, and also reaching out to community uh, health organizations saying, would you be interested in having a group of interprofessional students come together? But it's difficult because we have learners that are in undergrad, we have learners that are right. in grad, so it will take some time. And it's not an easy task, but I think if you set your eyes on the goal of we want better population health outcomes, and keep striving for that small steps it is small steps but the fact that you're coming from an educational perspective because that's what health professions education mm -hmm. oh come back i have to keep an eye on that so the fact your, your background is kind of this particular program is to do with education so i know you said it's small steps but I know if I did a project for something like this, I want to see it being put to put to work. Most <laughs> definitely, <laughs> that's what I do. I make sure, you know, I come in with um, the work that I do. I want to see some form of it being used. Yes. So even though it's a scoping review protocol, hey, I'm ready to, you know, do the scoping review and say, hey, I found some stuff, let's, you know, and, and we need that evidence, right? Because, right. you know, to be able to put that into play and to implement that based on, you know, best practice and evidence, evidence is important. It's always good to have the evidence to back you up, isn't it? <laughs> is, is, there, is there anywhere in the world that's done something similar that you can pull from? I well, there there is interprofessional education. I didn't find anything in terms of public health learners. Mm. 
for interprofessional experiential education. Which is weird because you think that would be an obvious. You think it would be, but I think this there's still such a focus on each individual. Right. You know, education is here, health is here. Yes. Communities here. Yeah. Can we put them together? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like. I would like to. I, I. I don't want to shelve this. I really don't. I'm the mm-hmm. type of learner that that wants to see apply stuff applied. So you're going to have to have set up your own pilot along with Dr. Flynn. <laughs> and the head of the public health sciences department. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll have a chat. We'll have a chat. <laughs> so let's go on. Thank you. For, first of all, thank you for that. Because, I mean, it's to me, it's pretty obvious we should be doing all this together. Yes. Because um, it can do it in some things, so why not on this as well? So you were the first cohort of this program. Yes. Okay. And you're just coming to the end of it. Correct. What was your experience from it? Because I met some of you the other day at, at uh, when you had your new group coming in and they had a little sort of a welcome week and, and a, a nice little get-together at the end, which is fantastic. And you got people from all over the place joining this program. So what was your experience both personally and what did you gain from the people around you? Oh, I get excited about learning. I I geek out on learning. I, I that's that's just me. That's who I am and and everyone knows that. I get excited from the students when I worked in the Master of Public Health program, so I get excited from my colleagues as well. And my colleagues were are surgeons, um, you know, public health um, dental hygienist Nurses, physicians, physician's assistant, a hospitalist, a perfusionist, all sorts of different people that I would have never come across. I mean, some of my best friends now are, one's a nurse and the other one's an orthopedic surgeon. So I had some really interesting (laughs) questions to ask. And the terminology that they use during synchronous sessions, I'm thinking, what is, what does that mean? Right. You know, because you haven't got a common language. We don't. We have all these acronyms. And so I kind of ask later, what are what are these things, you know? And so not only were we learning from the content that was being presented, but we were learning from each other. Mm -hmm. And I think the one great thing from my cohort, and I hope this happens with the other cohorts as well in the Masters of Health Professions Education is that humil- you come in with humility and not the ego. Right. Because that program in itself is interprofessional education. Right. Right from the very start. And to be able to educate each other about our roles and what we do mm-hmm. and actually kind of collaborate behind the scenes. And even one of the projects that we did in our um, scholarship course we're like, hey, we should we should do this as a research project. So I'm calling up one of my colleagues, actually both my colleagues, saying, okay, let's get the, uh, the ethics approval for this, right. and, and let's do this, and, and let's publish this. Let's put this to use. So there were several things, speaking of putting things to use, that I used in several of the courses. I applied that to my own my own teaching when I worked in the Master of Public Health program, you know, concept maps and, and how to debrief and right. 
um, you know, learned about articulate and storyline and um, course development, you know, as an aside. And, you know, brushed up on my statistics again and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, yes, this is fun. (laughs) Did you find anyone in the group, and I'm not trying to get you to call out anyone, but I would imagine, you know, you said you had a surgeon and then maybe a public health person, a nurse or a physio and whatever. So, and you talked about there wasn't really a common language so how did you come to the happy medium of you all understanding each other without, as we say, dumbing down the topic itself or your experience from your side of the side of the coin? The MHPE program had at least two instructors. One had expertise in education and the other had expertise in health professions. Right. And it was designed in such a way from the very beginning in our course, our first uh, introduction to health professions education, I think that set the tone and it built community from the start. Right. Even though because of COVID in 2020, we weren't in person. However, you know, we were all together because we were all learners. Right. And we thought of ourselves as As learners. learners, not your particular skill set. Exactly. Right. And we understood that each one brought a certain skill set mm-hmm. and there was that respect for from how I approach things with with um, my colleagues when we did we did a lot of group projects and I think That's as good. we progressed throughout we learned from each other as to oh this person speaks really well or this one you know has mad editing right. capabilities so they so, can so right. finding so, the strengths of so each finding person. the strengths so again you know, it was that IPE in, in action. That's great. I'm, I'm a big one, as, as you probably know from hearing me over the years, I'm a big one on building community and what that can do in terms of learning from each other mm-hmm. and supporting each other. Yes. And this is kind of a bit of both, isn't it? It's you're learning from each other, but you're also supporting each other along the way. Completely. I know that there were... It, it's kind of funny how our groups that we were assigned for projects, we kind of melded into those friendships. Right. So the two colleagues that I, I uh, did projects with, I, you know, we text each other, hey, how's it going? You know, oh, my, my partner's feeling neglected. You know, we're, we're studying so much. <laughs> <laughs> Let's meet over Zoom. And to support each other. Mm-hmm. I, it's really really collaborative and supportive and I think we'd all have each other's backs that's great yes that's really good so I'm going to ask you another question then how has this program impacted your career your teaching and your future research interests and further education aspirations because I know you want to do it all I do (laughs) so let's start with the first one how has it impacted your career how has it impacted my career okay well when I was first thinking about doing the MHPE, I thought, hey, I'm going to put my face to the name and meet with one of the co-directors, right. Dr. Denise Stockley. Met with her, found out it's a small world, as, <laughs> as, we, we, know as we know, and always kept in touch. And after 
uh, probably over the summer, we had always planned to meet up for mm-hmm. lunch. And we were talking over lunch. And she says, what are you doing right now? And, you know, I said, the Office of Professional Development and Educational Scholarship, also known as OPDES, you know, that's a long-term goal of mine to come and work at. Well, later that afternoon, <laughs> evening, I get an email, call me. <laughs> and she goes, how would you like to come work here? And I said, yes. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so how that has uh, impacted my career so far. That's brilliant. And But along the way, as I had mentioned earlier, when I had learned something new and I said, oh, how can I apply this mm-hmm. to the Master of Public Health with my students in the practicum, you know, right. concept maps and how do I make, you know, on cue more interactive? And I'm like, wow, I can, you know, use rise or storyline and make it more fun you know yes. rather than reading just text right so um so that's you know i'd like to apply things and put things to use that's why we learn isn't it it is along the way and so what about your teaching i guess you mentioned yeah, a little, bit, a little about bit about that. my teaching and i think what it did was it offered me more confidence in myself right and so that i could support the learners in their learning um I guess it's asking the right questions to them, isn't it? Yeah, asking the right questions, but also understanding their emotions as they go through things. Right. And them feeling maybe not so secure or feeling like the imposter or not having enough, giving themselves enough confidence. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, hey, I, I, I feel more confident that I can support them because really the practicum experience is quite stressful. Right. And going into an unknown, an for, unknown. Some, for some people, exactly into you know the realm of the public health world, it can be you know quite daunting. Well, particularly if that's exactly where you want to go, you you don't want to make a you don't want to muck up, do you? No, you don't. And there's a lot of pressure to, you know, quite often the theme from students is you know I think you know I should be able to know the answer to everything, and it's like no. you don't have to know the answer to everything. You can say. I don't know, but I can try and find out for you. Exactly. Or I have a question. I think this is the answer, if I'm wrong. But I always tell them, you know, come up with a solution first and see if, you know, that's what they're looking for. Right. So it's, you know. What about your future research interests? And you mentioned that a couple of you were, or you did some things, then you think, oh, that could be a project or a research Yeah, so speaking of emotions, um, we looked at... um, this, this was a scholarship course, and we looked at achievement emotions and in terms of um, how nursing students feel before they, they start right. their first clinical placement. And I think there's a lot of anxiety. And apprehension. Apprehension. Maybe for some students it's excitement. So that is something I'm interested in mm-hmm. a little bit more, and that's um, – it's – by um, his last name is Peckrin, and it's um, academic achievement emotions is called control value theory. So, having to do with how much control you feel over a situation, right? And what, how much you value it, and what emotions you have. So, if you're going into a test and it's worth a hundred percent, and that's your final grade, and you feel like you haven't studied enough, and you like you don't have enough con- your control over it, you're gonna probably feel pretty anxious fearful Mm -hmm. whereas maybe 
if you're interested in an assignment and you feel like you know the content, you're probably going to feel pretty confident and happy and excited about things. And I think that can really affect your learning. I mean, if you yes. are really anxious and you could have someone talking to you about something and you're just so anxious, you're blanking out, it's going right over your head and you might get mad and you're like, forget it. I'm just, I'm done. So that's what we are hoping to look into. And is it looking at the, for instance, the ones that are a bit more anxious, is it trying to teach them or in your research looking at, well, what can they do to get away from it? Preparation. It's preparation. Exactly. Right? It's preparation. And I think I took away from that, from that little bit of reading into, mm-hmm. you know, that potential research is how do we mitigate that anxiety before it gets know, the to student- a problem? it gets to be that problem and so it's that empathy it's listening to the student I mean I always told my students hey I'm here to support you Mm -hmm. and you know let's meet over zoom and it's okay to feel like that and this is how you know I've dealt with it how do you think you would be able to are you going to look at if you do this also cultural differences that's an interesting question and I think I would not have considered it. I think there are cultural differences, but I haven't looked into that enough to make a comment on that. See, I'm, I'm always fascinated about cultural differences. Yes. Uh, in learning and everything, because what I think is just the norm for me isn't necessary for someone else. Exactly. And it can have a big difference of, you know, some people have a lot of pressure on them to succeed always. Yes. Um, which is not easy. Yes. To yeah. live up to those expectations of others as opposed to what they want to do themselves. Exactly. And I think, you know, that's an age difference as well. You know, that, that life experience. Mm-hmm. So, great. More variables, Colette. Thanks for bringing that up. You're very welcome. I <laughs> <laughs> would like to help. <laughs> great, great question. Great question. Okay, so you've done a lot of this. I mean, with, with the program too... Uh, please correct me um were most of your people still working or did you take the time off to do it all of us are still working Working. so it's meant for working health professionals and it's done over two years um and we had synchronous zoom classes sessions Mm -hmm. every two weeks and actually i am now (laughs) working in the MHPE program to support the students and it's funny because I took the Master of Public Health and I worked there yep and then I took the MHPE and now I'm working there so I think it's a really good benefit to have that um, understanding from a learner perspective right and from the educator perspective as best I can given my minimal experience in in you know education well, over my you've clearly you know, got more experience than you think (laughs) otherwise I don't think you would be asked so uh, don't put yourself down on that one (laughs) thanks Colette yeah learning come learning and teaching comes in all in different forms but in terms of the formal academic I've only been around for about six years seven years so well I I think they've a wise choice how's that I wise choice I have found my people yes which is great it is because there's nothing better than enjoying what you're doing it is it really it's a great Opdes is a great place to work, surrounded by scholars and people that are really um, vested mm-hmm. in education. 
and for the students. For the students, that's great. Well, I think on that note, we'll probably call it quits, as I say. So I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about the programme, because the programme is very different to what people ex- may think it is. Giving us your experience and also you know, what you could be doing with this, because that's always a, always a good thing. People say, well, what's this degree going to work for? Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a clear path. There's a clear trajectory of what people can do once they go out and collaborate with others and hopefully bring some of this together. Mm-hmm. The program, it really, the capstone is, is so broad that it allows you to potentially integrate something that you are in your, within your own health profession. Right. And, and apply it. So it's, it's a great experience and thank you for having me you are very welcome thank you so that's it everyone a another week of grad chat sadly comes to an end don't forget you can download the show tomorrow from either itunes google podcast spotify or stitcher just type in a grad chat until next week this is cj the dj signing off with a big hooray Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.